Hello and welcome to the show. It's me, John Park, and it's time for another episode of John Park's Workshop, which is why I'm here and this is my workshop where I'm at. Uh, hey, Dave Odessa over in the YouTube chat and hello to all the people over in our Discord. Andy Calloway, Lawrence, Jimmy, Jim Hendrickson, Blitz City DOA. Hey, Liz, Andy Calloway, Mike P, Rich Sad. Uh, nice to see you all. If you are watching this over on Twitch uh, or... Uh, I don't know, LinkedIn, uh, Periscope, that probably doesn't still exist. Um, Blip TV, that's long gone. But any of those other places where I'm not looking at the chat, then you might want to head over to our Discord server. It's at adafru.it slash Discord, and you'll get a free instant invite. You can then head on over to our live broadcast chat channel, which looks just like that right there. And there are people waving and saying hi and throwing up emojis, etc. Uh, so that, um, that's the place to be. Hey, Bizarro Builds over in YouTube. I, I do keep an eye on the YouTube as well. Uh, Liz, that's a very nice compliment. Thank you. You enjoy the beginning synth jam for JP's workshop. Uh, that was something I wrote on a little, um, Norns script. Norns slash monome fates generative Raspberry Pi based thingy. Um, and uh, I enjoy playing that and hearing it, so thank you. Let's see, what else is new? Uh, we've got a job board over at jobs.adafruit.com. Uh, I implore you to go check it out if you're looking for work of any kind. If you head on over there, you will see a bunch of positions that are open, including someone's looking for matrix portal project use, utilizing Wi-Fi help, UART module for RP2040, and on and on. There was also this AV content coordinator gig at the New York Historical Society. Sounds excellent. Uh, so go check that out. That's the search job section. You can also click up here on available for hire and you'll see a bunch of people have posted their relevant info, CV, resume, and so on and so forth. And it is entirely free to use. Whether you're looking for work or looking to get hired, go check it out. That's jobs.adafruit.com. Uh, let's see. Next thing uh, I'll mention, oh, hello, Johnny. Hello, Johnny Bergdahl. Nice to see you over there in the YouTube. Uh, we also have a show on Tuesdays uh, that is that right there, JP's product pick of the week. That's the logo for it. That is this week's not disturbing thumbnail image for it trying to grab eyeballs over on YouTube. That's what we're, we're all about. Uh, so many eyeballs, right? Um, before I jump into that, I'll say when I posted that, I got comments from a couple of people that it looked like a Queen album cover. There was a Queen album. Well, I think the last Queen album uh, that had four heads of the four band members stitched together. And uh, look it up because it was done early enough that I was like, hey, this is not Photoshop because Photoshop was in about version one when that was done and it didn't even have layers. So I said, I bet that was done on a Quantel paint box. And it was. And look up a Quantel paint box if you haven't before. It was basically a mainframe based uh, application, super high end, very expensive, used a big uh, Wacom tablet kind of thing to do very impressive uh, compositing. Also used in video stuff a lot. I think some of the commercials and uh, Peter Gabriel videos and stuff were used in the paint box. Later, Flame and Flint, I think, also from the same company. Uh, anyway, there's also a Metallica album cover that looks like that, someone told me. So, But enough about 
that, uh, let's talk about this product pick of the week. So on the Tuesday show, I pick, pick a product. In this case, I picked two different products. It was a, a twofer uh, in the sense that these go hand in hand. I like to show how you use it, do a little demo or two, show code examples or assembly or both. Uh, and you get a big, big discount during the show is 50% off. Both of those items, no coupon codes required, just chuck it in your cart and off you go. Uh, and then I like to do a little one minute recap video and show it to you now. So here it is. A&O navigational scroll wheel, rotary encoder and breakout board, clicky clicky. I have soldered an itsy bitsy RP2040 onto it. I can use the click wheel plugged into the iPhone and now I can go and choose, let's say cover flow, scroll back from MF Doom to Bartle Beats there. That won't get us in trouble. I can click on that. So now I can click through, pick a song, hit play. And all I'm doing with this, let me go ahead and pause that, is uh, using the controller as a USB HID device. Like, sure, yeah, that's convenient because it's already in your pocket, but this, this is actually fun. ANO rotary encoder scroll wheel with navigation buttons and breakout PCB, dual product picks of the week. Hey, there's my audio. Yes, indeed. Uh, that was the product pick. Go check that out. Um, by the way, I was wondering, why is it called ANO? That is the product uh, ID from Zippy. Zippy is the company that makes those, and they make about, I don't know, six or seven different types of scroll wheels and lots of other stuff. Some are lighted, some have the navigation, some don't, and each of their uh, little product lines has a three-letter designator. That one happens to be the ANO. Um, and, uh, and that's all I have to say about that. So let's see, what else? Uh, this is the time where I like to show a little tip and or trick in CircuitPython. It's called the CircuitPython Parsec. Here we go. All right, so for the CircuitPython Parsec today, I want to show how you can set the real-time clock on a CircuitPython board using NTP, an NTP or National Time Protocol, is that it? Network Time Protocol uh, server. So how to set the RTC clock using the Network Time Protocol, and then you have a really accurate clock, which you can go and check on intervals when you're connected, but it's a really nice way to get any type of clock projects or projects that have to do things maybe with Adafruit uh, IO that need a timestamp on them. This is a great way to do it. So first of all, you can see I've got some libraries to import time, RTC for real-time clock. This board that I'm running it on is an ESP32S2, which has a real-time clock built onto the chip. Then I'm grabbing some network things, socket pool, Wi-Fi, the Adafruit NTP library, and then some supporting things to be able to display on this lovely little TFT. I've got a little time offset here based on my time zone, that may vary. Uh, then we're doing some network connection, grabbing my Wi-Fi info from the secrets.py file, and then turning on the uh, Wi-Fi radio, connecting to our uh, NTP server, and grabbing the date time. So once that's been grabbed, I do a little bit of uh, display setup, and then the real-time clock has the time, and then it can 
can tick forward and give us the proper time. So all I'm doing in my main loop, you can see here it is displaying and updating every second. I've got the date at the top and the time at the bottom with hours, minutes, seconds. And I'm also printing some of that stuff here in my serial output. And the way we do that is set up some parsing of that uh, local time that comes from initially the NTP server and then is on the real-time clock into those sections, hours, uh, minutes, seconds, and so on. Uh, I display that using the little text area update for the text and the text area for the date. So the clock is in one spot and the date is in the other. Uh, and then every second I display that. This uh, timekeeping here doesn't affect the, the clock. It's just how often I'm changing the display, but internally it just keeps ticking. And so that is how you can set a really accurate real-time clock using the NTP protocol. Say that again. So that is how you can set the real-time clock using the NTP protocol. <laughs> Last time. And so that is how you can set the RTC clock using the NTP protocol inside of CircuitPython. And that is your CircuitPython Parsec. Tick, tock, tick, tock. Okay, uh, by the way, pro tip that I didn't follow, if you have trouble saying something twice, don't say it the same way. Like, flip the order of your words around, because otherwise you can just keep boom, 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 bouncing off of that. Tricky. Uh, what time is it? That's a really good question. I think it is 1.12 and 57 seconds here in California. Uh, so, yes, uh, enough about real-time clocks, I'd say. So, let's... Uh, move on now. And by the way, uh, if you're wondering about that code, that happens to be mostly taken from, uh, if you look at the top here, an example that's at docs.circuitpython.org slash projects slash NTP uh, and on and on. So if you just Google Adafruit NTP for CircuitPython, you'll get to the docs. And this example is one of the, uh, one of the docs in there. And also very conveniently, uh, this was called to my attention by the excellent Todd bot uh, tips and tricks for circuit Python page. So uh, I will update our guide to include that. That's a great new tip. So thanks Todd for pointing that out. And thanks to Scott and gang, uh, Brent maybe also, Dan, a bunch of people who were interested in getting some accurate uh, um, way to grab the time from an NTP server that won't go away, won't expire, no one will get mad at us. We have, a, we have permission to use a, an Adafruit. If you look at the library, it'll show you where it's grabbing it from. Uh, all right, uh, let's go back to that view there. There we go. Okay, uh, so for a project today, I actually, last week I showed uh, some of my 8x8 NeoPixel implementation of um, the uh, Patchwork Boy uh, bidirectional MIDI sequencer, step sequencer, or, or a gate sequencer stuff, trigger sequencer stuff for VCV rack. Um, just a quick update. I'm not going to do anything on it today, actually. I said I was yesterday, and then I, I, I changed my mind. Uh, I have some work to do to add support for the NRF52, not the NRF, the uh, RP2040 feather, which I fit into there. Um, one thing I'm excited about, though, if you look there, with any of the feathers that have a 
uh, Stemma QT slot on it, you can get one of our JST-SH to JST-PH um, Stemma to Stemma QT cables and go direct with no soldering to uh, the feather. That's hard to point at, um, which is cool. You still have to, of course, solder together all of those boards, but uh, it's a very neat connection to the feather. So original version that was on an M4 required the use of some MIDI USB libraries that are not compatible with Feather. Uh, so I am working on changing it over to use the tiny USB implementation of USB MIDI. Uh, and uh, so, so I'll give you an update on that once, once that's hopefully working. Uh, another thing I'd like to do with this, by the way, is uh, do some bi-directional MIDI stuff to get the notes out of here and the light sync, the NeoPixel sync, back to here um, and do a, do a version, a simplified version in CircuitPython. So uh, look forward to that too. And then what I wanted to do is actually give a little bit of a uh, video, composite video update, uh, as well as forge ahead with something, a, as you can see here, uh, the title of today's show, Glitchy Video Mixer. So we'll take a look at that. Um, first thing I'll do actually is let me bring back my browser here and if we go to learn, I forget sometimes to point out when I've got a guide published. Uh, so if we go to new guides and view all, uh, you'll see here I've got this guide that I uh, just published called Video Nubshank. It's the ESP32 QtPi composite video injector. Uh, so you will recognize this from past uh, uh, two episodes ago. There's my little weird Sony video Walkman, uh, video 8 Walkman, uh, with the little Nubshank, video Nubshank shoved into there using the ESP32 Pico. And it's got the BFF on it for power uh, if you want to use the battery or charge the battery with that. It also gives you an on-off switch, which is really nice. And it gives you the form factor to wrap the whole thing around the, uh, the little connector. Um, so in the guide, to show you how to build it, so here's a little uh, hookup. That's the, the sort of simplified version. You just really need to get the DAC analog out to the positive or uh, center of the composite video plug and then ground to the negative. Show you how to put that all together. Uh, the way I had put it together, and then a couple of use uh, cases. And then we've got code. So for the code here, this is the ESP32 Dolly Clock by Marcio T. I hope I'm saying your name properly. And uh, that is actually, if I recall, no changes. So this is the, you, you can just use that as, uh, as you'll get it from his uh, GitHub. There's no changes to that. It just works. Um, the update, and I showed this a little bit on uh, show and tell, you can see it back here, is doing a, uh, let me switch the camera actually for a second, doing a color bar, uh, sort of a SIMPTI, Society for Motion Picture and Television Engineers, SIMPTI NTSC color bars. This is how um, broadcast and television uh, were typically calibrated to check that you had colors within legal broadcast ranges, make sure that your geometry was proper and so on. Um, so this one is kind of a hack. The colors are definitely not, not accurate because this is using the um, uh, RGB 332. Uh, so, so they're not actually accurate, but it's just useful for looking neat and for Lamore's needs. She asked me to put this together so that she could 
uh, when she builds displays, make sure that she's got her geometry right. If she needs to sharpen things up to get the text looking good, you can do that. You can tell when it's off the screen. Typically with a CRT, you will always fall off the screen edge, uh, and, and that's part of an accepted standard with a CRT. Uh, on an LCD or, or modern display, you'll see the full image. And uh, interestingly, the pixel output, since we're not talking about scan lines really, we're, we're putting out an, a progressive image, not an interlaced image, uh, is the same dimensions as the SNES. A lot of these 8-bit video projects use those, which are, I believe, 256 by 240 um, is, is the actual image. So not, I don't think that's uh, 4 by 3 exactly. So uh, that is an update that I will be adding uh, a page to that guide, uh, same video nub guide if you're interested. And one of the things about that is that rather than try to do an image conversion and go back and forth with uh, starting with an RGB bitmap, trying to tune the colors, dealing with whatever it does to it, uh, I made that with um, Adafruit GFX, the graphics library. So those are all rectangles and text. So uh, it's um, just up to you what you want to display on there. You can use any of the Adafruit graphics libraries, lines, rectangles, circles, filled, not filled. Um, and I just used it to make a, an approximation of those SMPTE color bars. Uh, the uh, next sort of progression of this, if you look there, uh, what's going on there? So this question comes up sometimes about, can you mix a couple of signals just by kind of summing them together. Can you connect a couple of composite video signals, in this case analog composite video signals, um, and have it work? And the answer is largely no. Uh, you won't get any proper syncing unless you have two video sources that are synced to each other, which is way outside of the purview of what I'm trying to do here. But it was discovered at one point as people started to hack uh, low-end video mixing gear and video editing gear that was made in the 90s and 80s, uh, some even earlier. People started to get old broadcast stuff or old home editing stuff and tinker around and essentially circuit bend them and see if they could turn little title generators into weird glitchy artifact generators and, and so on. Uh, there was a design called the Dirty Video Mixer by Carl Klomp. Uh, and I will show you the schematic for it because it's dead simple. Uh, I'm actually making a version that's even simpler, but you can see here what we have is two composite video ins, which are going through a couple of switches, which I've omitted because we don't really need that. That's a way to essentially turn off one source uh, if you want to just essentially fade to black. But I'm just mixing between two video signals that are unsynced. And so the key here is this 1K potentiometer in the middle. Uh, and then the wiper is going out to your video uh, display, so in this case the CRT. Um, so you can look up Dirty Video Mixer and you'll see a bunch of examples of this that people have done uh, over the years, but this is um, my version of it, which you can see, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hop back here and uh, let's do a little demo like that, say it first, then I'll show you how it's put together and also take you through some uh, trial and error and things that I did as I was working on this. So what you'll see first is I have two sources. One is uh, the color bars 
And the second is going to be my DVD player. Let's see what it's on. Okay, so that's a menu screen there. Uh, that's probably safer to show that menu screen, but I'll, you know what, I'll play a little, let's play a little content um, and hopefully don't get in, into any kind of copyright strike trouble. I gotta come around this way and see the display. There we go. Um, so this is, this happens to be a Blu-ray player. It's playing a standard resolution DVD and I'm outputting over composite video to the little mixer. So you can see here we get really funky non-synced mixing between the two sources. So I can go to my color bars. I can go back to the Beastie Boys there uh, as they kick off their video. And there's not a lot you can control about it. Uh, you know, this is a composite signal. You're not going to adjust individual colors or anything like that. Uh, but it is kind of a fun effect. And some people like to add like little uh, kill switches so they can drop one, one uh, source in and out. Uh, or like I said, if you want to be able to go just to mostly black. So this is the unadulterated, pretty much the clean image. And then I can fade that to a second source that is nothing right now. So it's really just dimming my image, uh, not fully to black. Um, but kind of an interesting effect there, uh, almost like a brightness knob. So uh, if I take a different source as an input, um, let's, instead of the color bars, I'll add my other little video nub there. Now we get the clock. Hey, more clocks. <laughs> this one's accurate. I set that one as well. Uh, at least it started out life accurate. Um, it's not connected to, to my Wi-Fi, so I have to connect to it once and set it, and then it's just based on the internal clock. Uh, but here you can see, again, we've got a, a pretty cool mixing effect. You can get some um, really good glitchy stuff on a CRT. I'll show you in a moment. It's interesting, uh, the circuitry in an LCD, uh, I have one over there that I can show, does different things. Uh, it's not quite as satisfyingly glitchy, um, you don't get as much of this weird sideways sync stuff. Uh, I think maybe the TV is trying to add its own opinion to the sync or something like that. I don't, I don't understand it. Uh, but, but you'll see we get some different effects. Um, so if we uh, take a look at how this is put together, I'm going to go ahead and switch my um, video cameras here. So what I'm doing there when I'm changing that is just I have this 1K potentiometer. Uh, and you can see it is fully left right now, um, which means we are allowing this right source, which is the video nub with the clock on it. And as I turn to the right, I'm bringing in the second source, which is my DVD player. So this gold connector black cable here, that's my DVD player. Uh, and then this is the output here. So I'll point that out. And if I line these up like this a little bit, it's a little more like that diagram I showed. Um, oop, I just fell my screwdriver, uh, which is upside down, which is kind of like that. So we have uh, the right input, the left input, the output, and a potentiometer. You can see that. 
Uh, so that's my simplified reduced version where I've taken out the switches from that. Uh, so that means that if we just plug in a different source, uh, let's say we get the beasties out of there and I put the NTSC bars in like that, that is coming from a second uh, minimal version. I didn't make the whole nub thing. Uh, this is the minimal version. Oh, let's see. Did I just break something? What did I break? Uh, I got that wrong. Ah, <laughs> I confused myself. This was the input I wanted. This is the output. I lied. That's the, that's the out cable there. All right. Let me rearrange this. This is a problem with doing it as a big wiry mess. Uh, so output is going here. Inputs currently are the oops clock on one side. There we go. And let me just move this over here to the left. I'm powering both of these off of a big USB battery at the moment. There we go. How many people, raise your hand, have a workbench that looks as messy as this while you're working and you get confused? Uh, so there I've got a separate, different source. Okay, so now that I, now that I <laughs> have that a little more understood. Oh, what did I do? Hello? Make sure that power didn't just die. Oh, it's getting close. All right, let's try the DVD. Uh, as source. Okay, I think I think the battery died on that. Uh, so that means this is running just off of its own LiPo. I'll move this off to the side. Okay, so simplified version. Uh, this one on my left is the DVD. This one here is the clock. And now mix between them. Okay. So uh, let me leave it as those and then show you some experimentation I did. Uh, first of all was what's with this particular uh, resistor. This is a 1K. So I wanted to just try out. So here's a 5K resistor, 5K potentiometer. And what I'm going to do is unplug. You can see here I've just soldered some leads uh, with DuPont connectors to the potentiometer. That's my 1K. That one works great. This one I'm just going to sort of jam these onto the solder tabs there. So center is the output. And then left and right, or right and left, doesn't really matter. Okay, and so what you find with the 5K is that it just goes to black pretty much in the middle. I'm turning right, 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 and then I pick up the other source. So this one's kind of neat because uh, it's actually a little more like a proper uh, fade rather than a crossfade. It's like a dissolve or a um, dip to black. So it goes to the middle. There was nothing. And then it comes back up. You can see my TV whining about, hey, I don't have a video input. So it pops up that little on-screen display thing. Uh, that can be turned off with my remote. Uh, so that is what we get out of a 5K. So it's interesting and different. Uh, what is this one? This one might be a 10K. This is a little breadboard friendly potentiometer. 
so same sort of thing. There is no sweet spot in the middle. It just very quickly goes to nothing and then back on. So uh, I don't have anything smaller. Than, I might have a 500. Let me look real quick and see if I have a 500 ohm resistor. I'll plug this back in so we can have something display. Good, good and glitchy. Uh, let me swap those. And I'm just going to check a couple of potentiometer bins real quick and see. Panel mount, 10K, dual log, 100K. I don't have them sorted any better than this. Uh, if I have a 500, I think it's one that I yanked out of an Atari paddle. I think those are 500. What are you? 5K. 1K, yeah, most, most potentiometers you run into are, let's see, I don't know what that one is. Let's try that one. Okay. Uh, and I think with a log pot, you're going to get out of your, um, you're going to get very quickly to the, to the mixed center. Um, see, so yeah, this one, it's an alpha. These little funky ones are alpha pots unmarked 10k 1k all right yeah, let's just see what this one does for us these do work surprisingly well with the dupont connectors a lot of these uh okay so it's it's connected yeah, this must be some high value one because it's going very quick. Uh, so I'll pop this one back in. So those were some little experiments I did. Um, hey, I think my friend Money Mark is in this video. Hey, check the guy on the keyboard. He's a super sweet guy. Uh, there we go. So the next thing I wanted to try was what if we used a digital potentiometer. Uh, let me switch cameras again. So digital potentiometer. We have two of these in the store. They use this Dallas Semiconductor chips. One of them is the log pot and it's actually doesn't have both uh, wipers. So it's, um, it's a variable resistor but it doesn't have uh, as much of a potentiometer uh, function as this one. This is the linear one. Uh, it is the DS3502. So I've soldered some, uh, let me zoom in here actually. There we go. Uh, I've soldered some little right angle headers there so I could plug in. And then I have some code on here that is uh, sweeping minimum to maximum with some pauses in between. So uh, what I'll do is find USB-C power. And, and take my same arrangement here. So we've got a left wiper, a ground or center common, and the right. And just 
fit those in. And uh, it doesn't work. It tries. You can see that there's some changes, and the timing of it is, is what I had. Uh, so I think it's second or so to sweep, two seconds to hold, second or so to sweep. So it's going back and forth like that, but uh, if you look at the screen, it definitely never gets to where we see the full image. I don't know what the deal is with that. Um, I think there was, there might be, uh, it could be an interesting discussion in the chat if anyone has ideas about it, but uh, fundamentally this doesn't work. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't mix the video signal. Uh, one thing is I think the, I tried just going to like 10% of its range because uh, it's a 10K, I think it's a 10K digital pot, um, but that didn't change any, anything about it. It's a pretty, pretty similar type of uh, image. So I was hopeful because that meant that you'd be able to do digital control over this mixing, which would be fun, have it you know, be based on a, um, inputs of some kind, a MIDI input, uh, audio interface, something like that. Could be cool. It's a neat, different kind of glitch, but uh, it's, it's not, not a dirty video mixer or a glitchy video mixer. Uh, it's just straight up glitchy. So the next thing I'm going to do is just show you sort of the difference if you look at a LCD. So I'll bring this over here. I'll set that back to the clock. And what I'm going to do is just run my output. So I'm going to pull that from the CRT now. And I have a long composite cable that I will plug in over there. I'm going to switch the cameras and I'll plug into this monitor. And So, image looks pretty good, um, really good actually. I'll start to glitch it. You'll see it actually, for some reason, is really bright. Uh, the, the image is, is way bright on this, uh, and I don't think that's the case if I plug in directly. So let's try that first. I'm gonna just go straight from my video nub to that monitor, and I think it is, yeah. No, it's just as bright. Okay, so the, I think that brightness on that monitor just must be set high. Um, so going back to video mixing this, if you look now, uh, if I plug that in a little nicer. Oh, it got mad at it. Let's see. Did I run out of power on that little nub? Okay, so that's working well. Uh, if you look at the type of artifacts, you get less of that horizontal shearing or diagonal shearing. You get some horizontal glitching. Uh, and I also noticed when I get to a mixed image here, sometimes you'll see one of them sliding sideways. So there's a, there's a horizontal sort of sync thing that happens. It's pretty wild. Uh, this is not a bad look for the Beastie Boys, actually. Um, same with here. If we, if we go into our clock, you can kind of see a 
sideways drift that didn't happen on the CRT. So some, some difference in the, um, I think there's a difference in the circuitry between those two TVs of how it's trying to rectify this terrible out of specification uh, image. So uh, let's see. Let me check out the, uh, the chat for a second here. Bring back the Discord and the YouTube. Um, hi, Brent. Brent stopped in. Had to pop in. This project is neat. Hey, thanks. Um, remember VHS? Remember DVDs? Let's see. Seagrover uh, says, some digital pots can only deal with signals within the digital pot's power voltage value. That's interesting. Uh, and I, of course, got to check out this awesome GIF from Yanisku7. Very cool. Yeah, uh, C. Grover, that is, um, that's interesting. I, I think uh, I don't have any idea what the voltage range is that the, um, the mismatch is there. But, yeah, that's, that's certainly a, a possibility. And I think you could try different things like, uh, I know Lady Ada showed off some of those uh, motorized sliders, uh, slide potentiometers. It would be kind of cool to, to do that. Uh, I did hook up to one of my little 10K uh, slide pots, and it did the same thing that the 10K uh, did, which is it just went to black about there, stayed black, stayed black, stayed black, and then faded it back up. So, um, But that about covers it. So... Clearly, it's, it's weird. It's out of spec. It works best on, uh, a lot of people say it works best on a CRT rather than, in fact, let me bring it back over to the CRT, rather than a more modern TV. And it may just uh, fail entirely. Uh, this is a, I don't know, 15, 20-year-old, uh, oh, cool, uh, LCD. So it's different in lots of ways from a, from a more modern one. So you may find more modern ones just go, yeah, I don't see a signal there that's worth trying to show. So it'll, uh, it'll bail. Um, but I've always wanted to make one of these. I called it the glitchy video mixer because a title dirty video, anything on your YouTube is probably gonna bring in a weird crowd. So I avoided that, but uh, I've been told uh, for, for years, um, from, uh, from friends of mine to try out one of these, and, and now I have. It's lots of fun. So if you want to learn more about these in general, look up uh, Dirty Video Mixer or Carl Klomp with Ks. Carl Klomp. Uh, I'll bring the, that image back up uh, there. I don't know if he published it anywhere that, that's easy to find, but you'll find other blog posts where people uh, show their experiments with them. So just Google that, um, and you'll find here's, a, uh, here's another nice... So I think this image was published on a forum or something like that. And uh, people have a lot of fun doing uh, video games into them as inputs. I have some uh, older consoles that have composite video. All of your Raspberry Pis have composite video, so that's another potential source. And then any VCR, DVD player, um, some Blu-rays uh, will still have that. So uh, I think that's going to do it. So thank you all for stopping by. Nice to see you all in the chats. And I will be uh, back next week, Tuesday, with a product pick of the week and Thursday with another John Parks workshop. In the meantime, check out our Friday. We'll have a deep dive with Tim C. Uh, so go check that out and then 
take a look at our shows next week, starting on Tuesday and on through. So thanks, everyone, for stopping by, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.